Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs from the Future Tech Podcast. I'm here with Lawrence Lundy, Head of Research and Partnerships at Outlier Ventures. Lawrence, how are you doing? Very well. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah. So would you mind um, telling listeners what Outlier Venture does and what your position at Outlier Ventures entails? Sure. So Outlier uh, Ventures is, I think, well, at least was four years ago, Europe's first blockchain venture builder and specifically an early stage fund. So we, we began building businesses um, as part of the portfolio, spotting opportunities. Uh, and, you know, if they didn't exist, so sort of four years ago, uh, sort of blockchain was barely even uh, a word and uh, probably hadn't been uh, kind of uh, moved away from, from Bitcoin specifically. And, and I think four years ago, there was very little opportunity, certainly in Europe. And um, what we've kind of moved on towards doing is investing not just in blockchain-based businesses, but also against a, a much broader and thesis that we developed called Convergence. So that's uh, kind of outlier ventures trying to um, create kind of, uh, or at least understand where blockchain decentralization fits in in the broader context, right? So our broader context sees you know, these blockchains and other decentralization tools like smart contracts or oracles and, and tokens as a new decentralized infrastructure right, that enables other technologies sort of artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, 3D printing, um, all to combine and converge. So, so we don't kind of see uh, blockchains as a unique and specific technology we want to invest against. We think the really interesting stuff is the intersections of these different technologies. Yeah, I haven't really heard many people talk like that or about it. Um, first question, when, when you say invest, are you a venture capital firm? Are you an incubator? What form does your investment take and at what stage with different companies? So we invest in predominantly in equity. So we're a venture firm. So up until very recently, we only invested in equity and took a stake in, in the company. We, were, we tend to take, uh, take investments where we could add real value. And we have a, a technical team as well as myself and, and, and an marketing team. And so we, we like to add a lot more value than just a sort of dumb money, right? So I guess you could describe a little bit kind of this following the same model as maybe A16Z or something like that. 
So, so we predominantly invested in, in equity and, and added value that way. But um, we made our first token investment uh, in IOTA a couple of months back. Well, no, maybe a month back now. Um, and so we now are looking at, and will invest in, in any instrument that makes sense based on how excited we are by the team. So it's very much um, a new, brave new world in, in, in terms of tokens. And it's something that uh, we've been following for, well, I think we were at White Paper about a year ago um, before before really that this whole mania, tulip mania really really blew up. Uh, but we, we were tracking it and trying to understand it from a compliance and legal perspective kind of <laughs> overwhelmed us with what's happened over the last three months and, and now we'll continue to go go on. So we're looking to to put, play a role in that industry to make sure that we can add real value. But I think um, I think the days in which companies in this space can only invest in equity are, are long gone. Well, tell me, um, you talked about the convergence or maybe the interaction of blockchains, artificial intelligence, um, other technologies. How do you come up with that idea? What what uh, use cases are you seeing or are you seeing will come out? You know, Explain a little bit about how the future is going to look. What kind of interactions will we see with uh, blockchains and other technology? Yeah. So we, my background just, context um it was as a, a an artificial intelligence analyst and um, and so i've always or at least uh, been, been sort of interested broadly in data actually artificial intelligence before it was cool and when it was just data analytics so i've always been interested in the management of data uh, and how not not just the management in terms of you know the ledgers that stored it but also the analysis that's done on top and actually when I um, when I started analysing uh, you know the, the blockchain space, it, it occurred to me that that really a lot of what was being built, a lot of the infrastructure plays uh, tend towards commoditization, not because they were bad businesses, but simply because they were open source, um, and it was very easy to take code and fork, or very easy to take code and, and innovate on top of it. And it felt to me that for a v, as a VC investment, it was very difficult to see. To see the, the, I guess, unicorn type return the fund uh, business. So it's not to say they're bad businesses, just to say that you really need to see a path to unicorn status for some of these, some of these companies. And so what we started to to look into was where does where does these this infrastructure where does it where does it fit in in, in the broader trends, the macro trends that are occurring. So by macro trends, talking about other technological trends like. The Internet of Things, for example, and like artificial intelligence, right? So, where does blockchain fit in uh, in that world? And so, we started to to kind of say, okay, well, are there examples of where artificial intelligence companies could use decentralization tools to improve or solve problems that they're having? And that was our first focus. Uh, and it absolutely, we see lots of really, really interesting use cases. So one really tangible one, uh, and we've invested in a company that does this exact thing. Um, it's called Botanic.io. Um, Botanic uh, really are, are deep, deep um, AI data guys. Um, and what they saw with, with the use of blockchains was an, a way of validating um, bots on their systems. So they saw a problem with brands that want to build sort of chatbots or avatars and saw a challenge where brands 
needed to be sure that bots could be authenticated and consumers could trust them because you don't want chatbots running around and uh, pulling in people's data uh, with no recourse or no understanding of how they've been validated. So the, the problem there is the authentication of, of bots. Um, and that and bots broadly, I'm talking about chatbots, is, they could be virtual assistants uh, or they could be sort of augmented reality assistants regardless of the user interface. There's going to be a need for machines or bots to be validated or to be trusted or authorized on a network. Uh, and we certainly feel like there's a role there for, for, for blockchains to do such a thing. What are some of the potentials that could happen if bots are not trusted or validated? Can you give me some examples there? Yeah, well, I can give you uh, one, which is that brands will not be able to build uh, a trusted chatbot. So the problem that we've heard in the market is that you know a retailer, for example, would love to build it and has had some proof of concepts building chatbots, but there's no real way for the brand to, in, in the very real sense, brand it and to create a, a, a way for the, the chatbot to interact with a consumer in a way that fits the brand's messaging. So what the botanic wants to do is to build a kind of a personality around it. And that personality, uh, what the brand does not want is that personality ending up like Tay, the Microsoft bot that, that learned uh, quite a lot of um, racist and uh, homophobic and all sorts of uh, terrible uh, languages uh, and went on to to kind of go wild on the internet. And what brands cannot allow is that to happen. So they want a sort of a slow and steady way of, of, of entering the market and engaging with consumers. And by doing that, they can work with Botanic to build up a, a sense of a personality that can be trusted and and ultimately can be uh, audited as well. There, there's a key element to this, which is if we start to, to build chatbots or avatars in digital worlds, uh, that cannot be centralized in a, re- in a real sense of the world because firstly, there's going to be thousands, millions, and then ultimately we hope there'll be trillions of these things. Uh, we need a real manageable way of doing that. And so that's, that's, that's just one of, the, uh, one of the ways in which we see in this problem be solved. Another really tangible and just very obvious uh, intersection that we, that we saw very early on was um, how blockchains could solve a really critical problem in the 3D printing supply chain, which is that we need to be able to manage CAD files in a network. So a 3D printing network, for example. And there's a real challenge in as soon as you upload a CAD file, and to the internet, it's a replication issue, right? So there's no way to create digital scarcity in a non-blockchain world. As soon as it's up on the internet, there it goes, and you have no recourse or no way to retrieve IP or royalty payment. What uh, a company, Genesis of Things, are a really good example. Trying to use distributed ledgers in order to have a auditable way to publish IP or CAD files uh, to track it through the network and then to authorize 3D printers to print certain CAD files and then there could be a royalty payment made instantaneously. So it really is the type of combination there that really solves a problem in the existing industry and uses some characteristics of blockchains or doesn't even have to be a blockchain, just use a, a basic distributed ledger. But the fact is it solves an existing problem. Yeah, that's interesting because you can create a unique identity to um, a piece of music or a CAD file or, you know, whatever IP 
hash it into a blockchain, and then if it's used uh, without the authorization of a given you know, uh, creator, you could tell very easily and quickly that it wasn't issued by that particular creator. Exactly, and it's it's a, I mean it's a really difficult problem to solve, and I don't imagine this is something that's going to be complete in six months' time. You know, the 3D printing supply chain is kind of new ground, so it could be slightly easier to do it. There's no real consumer market yet, but it's it's the sort of the, the legacy system, music, the film, that's also very interesting. There's loads of really great startups attempting to, to solve this problem of fundamental, you know, more equitable transactions and royalty payments. Jack is a really great company I love here in London, J-A-A-K, that are equally trying to, to build a, a solution to, to help uh, artists get paid more equitably. So it's it's using certain characteristics. And what I've kind of found over the last, I guess, 18 months of of exploring this convergence, you know, space, these intersections, right? Some of them make sense now. Some of them may make sense in, you know, in five, ten years' time. Um, but it's identifying a couple of key characteristics, and that, and that tends to be auditability. Uh, in many use cases, that's, that's needed when it's a highly regulated industry or when it needs some transparency. So, again, that could be, you know, with government-based use cases where transparency is more important than uh, maybe additional cost for you. you know, blockchain systems tend to be more expensive or immature, so there needs to be a real trade-off, and transparency has to be very highly regarded in that use case to make that trade-off. Uh, and, and equally, it can be anything where you need true machine-to-machine interactions or payments, and that, or you know, micropayments or, or whatever it might be, value exchange. The current infrastructure can't support that, so it's kind of um, it's kind of looking at what are the re- what are the simple things that need solving, and then using some of the characteristics of ledgers to to help solve those. Very interesting. I was just thinking about um, the U.S. Patent Office and how it's a race to pat you know to file a patent, and uh, it's kind of invisible for eighteen months with blockchains. That would change dramatically. You could immediately uh, possibly compare what you're going to file a patent for against the existing items. You know, memorialized on a blockchain, and once your um, your patent is filed, um, you'd have a definite time and date stamp at which it was. Uh, you know, you could start your protection. And this is where it gets kind of really, I think, exciting. And you know, uh, say for example, there was a it was mandated or, or, or legally required. Let's say to use your example in the patent office that every patent has to be filed on a blockchain. This is where the the data analytics and the AI stuff, the combinations make most sense because this is when you could, uh, you essentially have this large, uh, you would argue, trusted data set, a a data pool that everybody can have access to. So you no longer have an issue, well, no longer, it took a long time, but you could start to move away from the aggregate, large scale aggregation of data by a few key companies that have the wherewithal to do so, to kind of enabling this open data sets, in this case, government data sets or, you know, the patent office. But broadly, you could see this being a really good way to pull sort of long tail data, data from, you know, the, the very small companies that decide to aggregate out their data using distributed ledgers. And then that becomes the platform for which, you know, you could, you could do real data analytics on top of it. And you start to, I think, uh, with this movement, uh, you start to think how it's a really great way to share data and become sort of an open standard. So sometimes I even explore the idea that could 
could distributed ledgers just be the, the realization of the open data movement, right? Because everybody's been talking about it. It's kind of everybody knows, not everybody, but broadly within government circles or some policy policymaker circles, blockchains seem to have got a lot more coverage than even open data as a movement. So now a lot of people are seeing in blockchains what the open data movement has been doing for sort of 10 years. So there's an element there it could just become a, a simple, you know, open data solution, obviously, you know, with IPFS or Filecoin or, or whatever, whatever the technical balance between what goes on chain and what stays off chain. But I think that there's a real interesting open data here. And that's where we see the combination between ledgers and and AI and sort of this democratizing AI. Any downsides or privacy risks you see if this technology gets into the hand of bad actors or governments that want to, you know, control their populace? Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately the real. So again, to, to do a little bit of context, my background, my background, political um, background. And so a lot of when I'm thinking this through, when we're trying to think through analysis or uh, you know, analyzing companies, I think it's super important to consider the, the social implications because you know, Facebook, when it was created, of course, nobody ever conceived of the idea that the fake news uh, would, would, it would, um, you know, it would sort of perpetrate or at least accelerate the issue of fake news and arguably it's, it's led to a change in the political structures and, and certainly went some way into changing um, how elections are campaigned and run. And so I think it's beholden on the community to at least think through what would be the implications of widespread blockchains. And I think failure to do so uh, is a failure to get past or cross the chasm and actually get these fantastic tools or ones that we're all very passionate about into the hands of millions, if not billions of people. And so to answer your question with, with that in mind, I think any technology is agnostic and can be used by good and bad actors. I don't think just because it can be used by bad actors, uh, therefore we should um, slow down use of technology or, or, or uh, restrict it. But I do think that this is arguably the, the, the core characteristics of, of the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and I think what we want with public permissionless blockchains is true transparency. But with true transparency comes an end of privacy. And I think, well, I have a... I have a an interesting thought experiment, which is that privacy, whilst I think many people today, or at least many people in the tech communities, revere privacy uh, as something that needs to be protected, I do question the idea of is that just a cultural um, aberration or a historical aberration? Because privacy was never, it's a relatively recent thing, it's a post industrialized and industrialization concept, just like, say, Teenagers, for example, or, or the elderly. Right? These are all these are all concepts that occurred um, out of the changing nature of society. And I think privacy is one of those things. So, firstly, I like to question whether or not privacy is something that needs to be protected. I'm not saying I'm full either side of that. But I think it's we should be questioning first principles. But I think that this technology will be used by by nation states to further their own agenda and in many of those nation states it's control of the population in a more effective way whatever they're whatever they're optimizing for so i absolutely see that as a core reason why china and russia arguably singapore and dubai are very quick adopters of this technology i don't think that's any surprise or at least this technology in 
private blockchains or the cashless society, right? Because those are states that uh, that, that tend towards uh, less democratic states, shall we say? So I do see that there are uh, there are challenges with this issue of full transparency and privacy. But equally, I think that it's I think the blockchains a software tool that can be adapted and adopted in many different ways for the purposes of the user. So I see a world in sort of 10 years time where there'll be hundreds of blockchain based systems all being used with various degrees of transparency, various degrees of of encryption, various degrees of decentralization. And actually it kind of becomes just like a catch-all word, like the cloud becomes today, right? It makes sense. Yeah. I guess last last question is so how can companies or individuals um interact with outlier ventures and uh find out more about the companies you're invested in, you know, maybe um ask you to take a look at their venture and to evaluate it to see if it's suitable for investment. You know, what's the best way for people to contact you? I think the best way would be to go to uh the moment probably outlierventures.io or if they're interested in this the more uh, broader thesis of convergence now from the AI world or from IoT world or uh, 3D printing or whatever and, and are kind of interested in these combination uh, or equally from you know the Bitcoin or Ethereum world but are interested or excited to explore how AI, how these tools can use the internet of things. I think convergence.vc um, is a good resource. That's something where we're, we're hosting regular events around the world to start to, start to build up this community because I think you know, what's a super important thing to say is that um, Convergent.vc is very much a thesis. It's something that we're constantly testing and revising. And we, we're speaking with you know experts. And we want to speak with startups and corporates and regulators to, to kind of foster cross-disciplinary discussions, right? Because one of the biggest challenges in any new technology is that you get so deep because it's so technical and so important to figure out the details that it's much harder to have a discussion with somebody in the 3D printing community or the Internet of Things community that might be actually trying to solve very similar problems, just in slightly different ways. So the idea of Convergence.vc is to foster those discussions. So um, they should definitely go on the website and sign up for uh, sign up for the events and sign up for the newsletters and and, um, and contact us that way. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, the convergence theorem. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. You've given me a lot of new ideas. I didn't even realize that um, these different systems and technologies would be interacting in this way. So it's been a real eye-opener. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Really appreciate you having me on. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse. 
such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.